This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Boasting, in its kind of original form, comes from battlefield language. It comes from battlefield language. I I don't know if you uh, love films about war, uh, love films about battles. Um, So, you know, your best films, I've picked the two best ones here. Uh, If you haven't seen these, where have you been? But here's, here's, um, here's Braveheart. It says, the English are too many. It says, yes, go, leave, and you will live. You know, um, and you li- uh, dying in your beds many years from now, you know, will you trade all those days between this day and that for just one taste of freedom? Ugh. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. It's basically this boast that says, come on, you pathetic Scottish people. We can take these arrogant, kind of imperialist English. We can take them down. Come on, freedom. And obviously, it's done by an Australian who, you know, they don't hate us, particularly after yesterday. They rub it in. But, you know, there's, there's this kind of, come on, tell our enemies we can do this. Or what about this? Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. If you find yourself in green fields with the sun on your back, do not worry, for you're in Elysium and you are already dead. Come on! And we love it, don't we? We love the kind of bo- boasting. And, and, and there's something about boasting that finds its kind of uh, its place in, in battle. So here's uh, the, big, uh, the big story, David and Goliath, uh, Sunday school story. Here's Goliath, here's his, his boast. David's come to him with a, a little stick and a, a few stones. And he says, Goliath says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here and I will give your flesh to the birds of the fields and the, the wild animals. I'll tear you apart limb from limb. It's kind of like this boast. And all the Israelites, if you read the story, are like, you know, he's nine foot tall. You know, wow, man, we can't, can't, can't go against him. And it's like it's this reason to say, you know, trust in me. Because I'm powerful and strong. And here's David's boast back. This is little David, a little teenage boy. Who is this uncircumcised? We'll mention uncircumcision later, guys. So just, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? David said to the Philistine, come against me with your big sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. This day, Yahweh will give you into my hands. There's this kind of boasting, and, and it, comes from, it comes from this idea that, that, that you needed to put your trust in something. So, so boasting is integral to battle language um, when, danger, when danger, suffering, and death are close. The question of where you put your ultimate trust is really pressing. You cannot face suffering and death without grounding your hope in some thing or someone bigger than you. 
So that's why we boast. So we boast about our cars, we boast about the schools that our kids go to, we boast about, we boast about how fit we are, our health regimes. We, we boast about those because there's something we're saying, I'm going to put my trust in this. If I get my kids into this, this school or a good school, then, then everything's going to be fine. I'm putting my trust in this. Or, you know, if I go to the gym and I work out and I'm very, very fit, then I'm going to live a long time. I'm putting my trust in that. And there's a sense where boasting ultimately is about what you're going to put your trust in because life is fragile, because bad stuff happens. And so what I wanted to talk about this, this morning is, is boasting in grace in tough times. Boasting in grace in tough times. This is a verse I want to talk about. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong." Paul loves to talk about boasting. He talks about boasting 52 times in his letters. I bet you didn't pick that up, did you? I didn't pick it up either. I heard it from somewhere else. So I just need to be honest about that. But actually, 22 times, 23 times in this letter to Corinthians, uh, he talks about boasting. It starts off about boasting. and It talks about different boastings that happen. And, and I just want to unpick some of those so you get the kind of context. So the first thing that, that Paul picks up about uh, boasting is he's boasting his weakness. He boasts in his weakness, and, uh, and he boasts against the the culture of his day. So I don't know what the, the, the if you watch Gladiator, what do they say when they greet each other? Two words: strength and honor. Strength and honor. Yeah, I don't know who shouted that out, but very good. Strength and honor. There's this kind of sense where you know it's strength and honor. The Roman culture was about strength and honor. You know, it wasn't about you know, in terms of weakness, no, 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 no. What are you talking about, Paul? The culture's about strength. Paul says, I love insults. No, it's about honour. You know, he, he, he says, it's, I, love, it's, I delight in persecutions and difficulties. And the, the Roman culture says, no, no, we don't delight in that. We delight in comfort and victory and oppressing other people. And immediately, Paul is incredibly countercultural with his culture, uh, you know, and, and, and in one sense, he's part of that culture, he's a Roman citizen, so he could have said to his people, of oh, strength and honour, I'm part of that, I'm going to put my trust in the fact that I'm a Roman citizen, you know, I've got everything going for me, you know, he's part of the urban elite, I know that, that, that you know, we all think, who are these urban elite people who set our culture, but Paul was one of those, in that Roman Empire, Roman citizens were very rare. It's not like, oh, you've you got a citizenship. No, some, people, some guys said, you know, I had, to, I had to work really hard for mine or another. I had to really buy mine. And Paul just said, I was born a Roman citizen. He, he already was a Roman citizen, so he boasting in his weaknesses challenges the secular expe expectations of his day. I don't know if you've um, if you ever been on an interview, and they always ask you this question, don't they? What are your weaknesses? What do you say? Come on. Who wants to give me an answer? What it, when they ask you, who's been on an interview recently, and they ask you, oh, Will's shaking his hand at the back, what do you say? I don't like to fail. Actually, the best answer is to say, you know me, I work so hard. 
My weaknesses, I'm so hardworking, I'm so committed to my company, I'm there early, I'll go home late. You know, my weakness, I just work too hard. You know, if you can cope with that, that's fine. <laughs> I remember I was in an interview and the, the head said to me, you know, what, what's your biggest weakness? I said, I hate paperwork. <laughs> I hate paperwork. They gave me the job, but then I was the only candidate. <laughs> But, you know, we don't like to boast in our weaknesses. It's not really our thing, is it? If I said, right, okay, hands up if you want to come forward now. I'm just, everybody just want to come forward and we'll pray for your weaknesses. Now, if you've got weaknesses, now come forward. Yeah, yeah, please pray for me. I need Jesus. Yeah, I'm weak. And the rest of us, mm-hmm. no, I think I'll be fine this week. I think I'll just stay in my chair. <laughs> you know, hands up if you'd like to come forward and talk about the weaknesses. Whoa, hang on a minute. Hands up want to say, well, what you've done great this week. I mean, that's what Facebook's all about. I was saying that to somebody on the, on the way in. You know, what do we do on Facebook? I'm amazing. Isn't my life amazing? Look at my life. Isn't it amazing? No, it's like, and if people put their weaknesses on Facebook, I go, no, 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 you don't do that. So Paul boasting in his weaknesses is like, really? Scratch head? What are you talking about? It's part, uh, you know, it's the, 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 against the culture. And then, secondly, uh, you find that, that in, in Paul's letters, he, he, he boasts about, that he's boasting in his weaknesses, challenges the religious and cultural expectations of the Jews of his day. So the Jews would boast about how they were God's people. And they marked that out by, here we go guys, they marked that out by two ways. They marked that out by the food they ate. Have you noticed that? How people like to, I mean, we are slightly a bit food obsessed. I'm not having a go at anyone in this church. My wife tells me, you're so fussy, you know, it's got to be meat, it's got to be lots of meat, you know. A vegan comes in my house and go like, what are you doing? Stay away. And they say, oh, but you, do you know it's destroying the planet? And it's like we're obsessed with food and they were like, they mark, the Jews mark themselves out by food. We don't eat that kind of food, we eat this kind of food. Oh, you eat that kind of food? You're definitely worse than me because I eat this kind of food. And the blokes mark themselves out by <coughs> circumcision. Don't worry, guys. We get lots of times when we talk about women, childbirth. This is our vulnerable moment. Andrew Wilson, who uh, I, I totally love, um, heard him preach um, some, of, some of his thoughts on, uh, in, in the States when I was over there last year. He says this. The irony with circumcision is that God instituted circumcision as a cut in the flesh in the very place where men boast about their strength. Circumcision cuts at where men focus many of their desires, where they boast about their virility. Circumcision cuts where ancient rulers hope for male offspring to extend their name and their dynasty. I never thought about it like that. I thought, God, why, why did you say circumcision? But actually, circum- uh, if you go into a lot of ancient temples, I mean, uh, if they haven't been destroyed by ISIS, you go into these ancient temples, you can find what you see is lots of blokes with, yeah, you, it's all about, aha, you know, flash hard, aha. You know? I went to Michael Jackson concert, he always used to do the thing with his hand, didn't he? Like, ooh, yeah. So right in the middle of that culture, He's saying we're going to cut there because actually every time you go to Lou to realise that your strength has been cut back because you've got to trust in God. But what had happened is the Jews had started to say, no, 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 I'm circumcised, I'm better than you. 
I'm special and you're not. Uh, you've, I do this. I mean, we don't have circumcision, but we have other things, don't we? I mean, it used to be the church I used to go to when I was a kid, you had to carry a big black Bible. Obviously, I've got a big, big black Bible. You know, the, the, the iPhone would really have done the job that, you know, here, here's my, I, oh, I am looking at my Bible, not really looking at Facebook. You carried a big black Bible, you had to wear nice clothes and like stern faces, like that's how you showed how you're religious. You know, whatever. And, and, and we, we get these things all out of shape, these boundary markers out of shape. Uh, circumcision for Jews was a declaration that God is strong and they're weak. Now, Paul's circumcised, but he could have said, oh, look, look, I put my trust in that because that's what my culture's doing, but he does this now. So Philippians 3 says this. We are those, he's talking to Christians, we are those who boast in Jesus Christ. So we've already cut to the end of my message. You know I was going to go there, don't you? But anyway, we are those who boast in Jesus Christ who put no confidence in the flesh. It's not about circumcision. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone thinks they have more reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more than you. It's a bit like he's playing, na 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 na. But he's not. He's saying how stupid your boasting is. So I've got loads of reasons. He said, look, I'm circumcised on the eighth day uh, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, that means he kept the whole law, as for zeal, persecuting for the uh, church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Look at me. I sit at the front in church meetings. And he says, but whatever was to my prophet, and now consider it loss. What is everything in my prophet account, all these religious things, I count them rubbish, loss, that I may gain that, uh, for the sake of Christ. I consider them garbage, garbage that I may, may gain Christ. All those things that you, that I thought before I was a Christian, that was church going, kind of made you special. Oh, I was christened as a baby on the eighth day, and you know, my parents were Christians, and you know, I did this, or I had that, or I've been to Sunday school, or all of those things. You thought, oh, well, that, that, that sets me out. Paul said, no, no, they, they count for nothing. They don't I give lots of money to the church, sorry. I come every week, sorry. Not that those things are bad. But he's saying, is actually, boasting in them isn't going to get it done. He said, we're going to boast in somebody else. So, so he's counter against the, the religious Jews of his day. And lastly, he's, he's, on this one, he's counter to the uh, weakness. He's, Paul's boasting in weakness challenges the super spiritual culture in the Corinthian church. So he's writing to this church that thinks it's all about being super spiritual. The way to, to boast, the way you're going to put your trust when times get hard is I'm going to boast in being super spiritual. So the whole, I'm not against any of these things, by the way. He, he, he was, they brag about like they had spiritual gifts, or I had a prophecy, or I had this dream, or I've got this power to do this, I've got this special knowledge. And basically there were like these kind of super apostles, Paul even calls them that, super apostles would come and like saying, you've got to follow me because I'm the one with special power. I'm the one who needs the special place of authority and the one that you're going to trust in. You know, you need to trust in me because I've got special... And, and, and I think, you know, I'm not against hearing from God. I'm certainly not against revelations and dreams. But actually, if that's ultimately you put your trust in, so I had some spiritual experience kind of a few years back and that's going to hold me. Paul's saying, no, that's not true. So he says this. He says, you know, I can boast about this if you want to play boasting. He says, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 says this. Must I, I must go on boasting... He's doing the same thing as he was. He's saying, look, if you want to play this no, 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 no game, he says, there's nothing to be gained by it. But I'll tell you about somebody. He's talking about himself, actually. I'll go on about visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ, that's himself, actually, who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven 
And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I could boast about a guy like that, he says, but I'm not going to boast about that because I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. Paul's boasting is actually, he's saying, I'm not going to boast. I'll read what I've put on the slide. Paul's boasting in weakness is a declaration that the battle that is life, his ultimate confidence and hope for victory is not himself. It's not his Roman citizenship. It's not his circumcision. It's not even his spiritual highs, but God. So that's why he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. That's why, for Christ's sake, and this is something crazy, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm just going to ask you, any of you here delight in weaknesses, insults, I really, I love insults. Hardship, I'm good for hardship. Persecutions, difficulties. Is any of you? But Paul's saying, actually, I love those things. Crazy, Paul, are you out of your head? Why, why do you love those things? Why do you delight in those things? I mean, it's not Cheltenham life, is it? You know, we're into compliments, not insults. We're definitely into comfort and not hardship. Persecutions, you're kidding. That's what happens in other parts of the world, nasty parts of the world, not here. You're going to say, well, yeah, persecutions, have you invited your friend to the carol service? Uh Uh-oh. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Well, it might be a little bit awkward. You know, because persecutions, woo. In fact, I'm not even inviting my friend to the carol service. And and difficulties. Let me tell you about difficulties. Yeah, I can do difficulties. Have you realised how incredibly difficult it is to get around Boots Corner these days? You know, I, I mean, I, I'm so frustrated. You know, you, you're sitting in your car, the smells are noisy. You think, man, it's crazy. I'm so frustrated about that. Difficulties, I'll tell you about difficulties. Do you know that Ryanair are making you pay for your bags now? You know, it's so bad. And you know, my broadband last night, I was trying to watch Netflix and it wouldn't go. I mean, I was on to BT. I can tell you about difficulties. You know, we think, man, I've got difficulties. Oh, you know, whatever. The biggest shock to our comfy world is when difficulties come. Don Carson, great American uh, uh, preacher, says this. One of the major causes of, I mean, strong language here, devastating grief and confusion among Christians is that our expectations are false. We do not give the subject of evil and suffering the thought it deserves until we ourselves are confronted by tragedy. If by that point our beliefs, not well thought out but deeply ingrained, are largely out of step with those revealed by the God of the Bible, then the the pain of personal tragedy may be multiplied many times over as we begin to question the very foundations of our faith and our commitment to Jesus is thrown into the melting pot. I mean, we never think about suffering and difficulty, do we? Because generally, life is hard. One or two of you might say, actually, I've got some difficult stuff going on. But what happens, we tend not to think about it at all until it's upon us. And then when difficulty happens, we really, really struggle. We really struggle. And and, and if we don't think about 
suffering and difficulties and hard times, when they hit, they can really rock you. You can think, why is this happening to me? Because we were, we were told at Sunday school, weren't we, that if you trust Jesus, nothing bad's going to happen to you. That the Davids always win. That everybody, it's always great. It all turns out happy in the end. But actually, tough stuff happens. And if somebody says to you, come, and there's lots of churches that do this, and they're a lot fuller than this one. Maybe we've got the wrong tactic. But you know that... Come to God and your life's going to be amazing. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. You're going to be healthy and wealthy and prosperous. And we love that. We think, yeah, let, tell me about that. Tell me how I'm going to be wealthy and happy and prosperous. Tell me about that. But then when tragedy happens, we're like, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't, what? No, really? Paul knows tough times. I mean, if you, don't, if you know anybody in the Bible who knew tough times, you know, apart from Jesus getting, gets crucified, Paul knows tough times. He lists them just the chapter before, the way it says, my grace is sufficient for you. Before our text, it says this. Uh, I mean, it's just a staggering list. I think I'd have packed in a long time ago. You know, somebody's rude to me about my preaching or that I was grumpy the other day and, and leave the church and I'm down the tubes for a month. But look at Paul. What anyone else dares to boast about, I have more. He's saying, if you want to boast about tough times, I can boast about tough times. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. 40 was supposed to kill you, so they used to give them 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. He's pelted with stones outside a city and he's just left for dead. They thought he was dead. Just left him there. He says, I've spent the night and the day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. And then he really gets into his flow. He says, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles. Obviously he's going to be that because he's putting everybody's nose out of joint. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and do I not feel weak? How would you cope if that sort of stuff happened in your life. Would you still be saying, I think being a follower of Jesus is amazing? You might be saying, I'm really starting to question whether I've got the right faith here. Because this bad stuff, just why it keeps on happening to me? Why does it keep on happening to me? And you might know tough times. Max Licardo, again, American uh, preacher, says this. It just lists tough times. I think he puts it so well. The cancer in the body. The sorrow in the heart. The child in the hospital ward. The huge overdraft on the bank statement. The emotional deficit in your marriage. The open grave. The closed womb. 
the craving addiction in the middle of the day, the tears in the middle of the night. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to put your trust in? What are you going to boast in when tough times happen? When, when you hear about that, when you read about those kind of stuff, and you say, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness, you think, that's great for a tea towel. You know, Christians used to put verses on tea towels. Well, certainly my family, um, you know, it's like you couldn't ever, if you're having a row, you're whipping your brother with a, my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> it's like your mother, stop it! <laughs> oh yes, sorry, my grace is sufficient for you, know, whatever. I, I, you know, it's like, we think, well, that's great for a tea towel. My grace is sufficient for you. My power's made perfect in weakness. Basically, what Paul is saying, when you feel terrible, that's good. You think, no, 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 Paul. Let, 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 let's track back here. There's something really missing. But actually, we need to understand, and again, Max Lucado, in the book I was reading, says, and get this, grace promises not the absence of struggle, but the presence of God. Let me say that again. Grace, that's God's unmerited favour towards us, promises is not the absence of struggle, but the presence of God. So what are you going to boast in when things get difficult? Then it's, this is the question we're asking. What are you going to boast in when, when the battle comes, when the hardship comes, when the cancer comes, when the family breakup comes? What are you going to boast in then? Because you could boast in your happy family. You could boast in your health. You could boast in your education. But what's going to happen when they're gone? And the truth is, sometimes we don't know why. Mostly we don't know why when we face a particular challenge or tragedy. And, and God enters into that. God enters into that where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his, Jesus in his humanity is like, I don't understand this. You know, I understand it. Yes, I understand it. I know I need to drink this cup of suffering. But why? When things, bad things happen, it's okay to say why. And you don't know why. When you're sinned against or tragedy happens, it's okay to cry and say, I don't know why. God, where are you? It's okay to say that. Let me give you a couple of lessons from my life, because I haven't, it's not, I've not had a hard life, I don't think, by anybody's standards. You guys can probably boast more about your hardships much more than me. But let me just give you two. And let me see your quick lessons, and I really must learn this down. My dad died at 17. He's the guy on the left. My dad died when I was 17. I don't know why. I don't know why. When we had the funeral, I, I mean, my, my faith was kind of embryonic. But honestly, and, I, and I'm not saying this because it like fits with my narrative, I did feel God close to me in a way that I think I, I'm not quite sure I understood at 17. In all the tears and the trauma, I did feel God close to me. But the interesting thing is, most of my really powerful moments with God have been when I felt, God, I feel lonely. If you know me, you always think, yeah, he, 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 if you get deep with me, I'll always tell you I feel lonely. God, I feel lonely. I, I don't feel fathered. Who's there for me? Who's my father? Who's going to love me? But in those moments, those tender moments, I felt God say, I'm your father. It's not the absence of struggle, but the presence of God. I'm your father. You know, you're, you're an orphan. You are an orphan. Love me, love me, love me. I'll fight my corner. 
You know, I'm an, I can do orphan really well, but actually in those incredible moments where God says, I'm your father. In that weakness of like, God, why, why did my dad die at 17? I boast in that because I think, God, I've known you as my father. In really profound ways. What about this? We, uh, we went church planting in, in Manchester uh, when we were oh, 15 years ago now, uh, 20 years ago now. Um, and uh, we were, because I had a northern accent and most of the people in my network from the south, they thought, well, you'll do. Off you go up to that northern city, you can sort them out. And we lived in the inner city. Uh, Andy Allen was with us uh, for a time. We lived in this city, and there were two things going on. One was the incredible, challenging nature of, of just living in Manchester. I mean, it's a great city now. I think it's all up, up and funky in the middle. But Manchester's a crime city. I, I remember we had about the same number of people in the church and members saying, put your hand up. I know, put your hand up if you've been a victim of crime. Everybody had put their hand up if you've been a victim of crime. So there's that pressure of challenge. But also there was something internal in me that I thought... I'm going to go out to Manchester and I'm going, to, I'm going to, by my strength, by the gifts I've got and my personality, I'm going to grow this church. I'm just going to do it by the strength of my, my power, my arm. I'm going to do it in my, boasting in my Roman citizenship, you know, my circumcision, my, my spiritual gifts. I'm going to do it by that in one sense. I'm going to do it by, by my ability. And the most crushing thing about that was that actually when it didn't go as I thought... When church leaders were saying, well, how many have you got in your church? Or when people came and said, I'm leaving. I didn't think, well, that's what happens. People get jobs, people move on, it's life. I just go down the tubes, it just crushed me. I lived with this terrible expectation that life was supposed to be easy and successful because it made me look great. And actually, some of the things I've learned most through those kind of tears and hard times in Manchester is, it isn't about me. I can't do this. It isn't about like, my ability to get it done or, or be better or preach a better sermon, whatever. That, that God's, it's got about God. And so when I feel rubbish and weak, I've learned that God, I need God. And so just in those little moments, I feel like I've learned some things. Paul says this, and I, I really need to land it. I, I'm, I'm aware that, yeah, okay, fine. Okay, so 2 Corinthians verse 1, right at the beginning of this letter, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we experienced in the county of Lancashire. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we were despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we received the sentence of death. And then he says this, But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He's, he has delivered us from such a fiery trial and will deliver us again. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. The choice is when tough times come, you've got to decide what's this happening for. And Paul makes a big, big choice. He says, this tough times have come and all the ones I've listed because I can't rely on myself. I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to rely on God. When tough times come, I'm going to rely on God. And he mentions like a fiery trial. I don't know if you know the Sunday school story. That, uh, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, they're, uh, having, they're basically asked to bow down to the Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful king. And they make this boast. Oh Nebuchadnezzar, if you throw us in the blazing furnace. So he says, if you don't worship me, you're going to throw in this blazing furnace. Oh Nebuchadnezzar, if you throw us into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us. Great, we like that bit, don't we? 
I'm going to walk into the fiery furnace of life and God is going to save me. I think we like that bit. He will rescue us from your majesty's power. But, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, O king, that we'll never serve you, uh, serve your gods or worship the golden statue you set up. So, okay, there's a fiery furnace coming on. I don't mind what's going to... I'd like to get saved. I'd like for it not to burn me, not to touch me. But if it burns me, I'm still putting my trust in God. And that's when trials come that you've got to ask the question, what are you going to do? Who are you going to put your trust in? Are you going to say, God, I'm not going to trust in you if I get burned. I'll trust in you if you're with me. Now, obviously, Sunday school story, that's why it's recorded. They walk in the fire, and in the midst of the grace means that God isn't taking them out of the struggle, but he's there in the fire with them. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, actually, you know, whether God is with you, whether you're burned up or whether you're not burned up, God is with you. It's not that if they got burned up, God wasn't with them. God was with them regardless. Tim Keller says this, you'll never really understand your heart when things are going well. It's only when things are going badly that you truly see. And that's because it's only when, you, when suffering comes that you realise who is the true God and what are the false gods of your life? The things you've been falsely boasting in, the things you've been falsely trusting in. It's only the true God can go with you through the furnace and out the other side. The other gods will abandon you in the furnace. In tough times, where you put your trust is most pressing. So if you've got an easy life, it's probably not a pressing question for you. But if you face difficulty, even in the last few weeks, it is a pressing question. I love these lines from the song by um, Stuart Townend, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. You can hear Paul, can't you? But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Paul says this in Corinthians 12 that we've been reading, I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses so Christ's power can rest on me. In a couple of chapters earlier, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In other words, he's the one who's coming through for me. When time's tough, he's the one who's coming through for me. And I love this verse brilliantly. It says, may I never boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord, through which the world has been crucified, me and I to the world. We break bread every week as a boast. We break bread every week as a boast. Because it is a battle. It's a battle. And what are we going to trust in when life's tough? What's going to trust in when things go wrong? You can look everywhere else, but we're going to trust in this. We're going to trust in Jesus' broken body on the cross, his death and resurrection. We're going to trust in his shed blood. I looked at the passage and I think I can hear Paul saying this. We boast in his weakness. Paul says, I'm boasting in my weaknesses. So I can boast in God's weakness. We boast in his weaknesses. We boast in Jesus' weaknesses. He says, I delight in insults, but we delight in his insults, don't we? In his hardships, in his cross. For when I'm weak, he is strong. We need to understand that, don't we? That God at his most apparently vulnerable and weak where they were mocking him and insulting and say, boasting, you saved others, you can't save yourself. Come down from the cross of your son of God. 
Jesus is nailed to the cross, naked, insult, hardship. And in that moment, he's producing incredible strength for us to cope with life. The power of his death and resurrection is at work in us. Two quotes. Tim Keller again says, Suffering is at the very heart of the Christian faith. It is not only the way Christ became like and redeemed us, but it is one of the main ways we become like him and experience his redemption. And that means in our suffering, despite its painfulness, is also filled with grace, purpose and uselessness. When you've got cancer, that'll tell you who you're really boasting. So it's over a year now, and, but Naomi's mum died of cancer. And I don't know what I'd be like, because it would test where my ultimate trust lies. But she was amazing. No sense of self-pity, no anger, no bitterness. She died well. One of the things that they used to say in the ancient Rome is that Christians die well. Because when tough times come, the question needs to be answered, what are you boasting in? What are you boasting in? Let me finish with this. We're not going to sing this song, but the old hymn, Rock of Ages, says, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. It's talking about Jesus' death on the cross. Let me hide myself in thee. Nothing but weakness, emptiness, nothing to boast about, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to your cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Father, I thank you that your grace is enough for us. That in those moments of weakness we find how incredibly strong you are. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be those that are scared and shrink back about life, looking for comfort and compliments and ease. But I pray that we'd be big and bold and brave and push into life because we're boasting in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.